Hey, everyone. We are live. Um, yep. And uh, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> I, was, I, I sit on this inflatable ball, as you guys know, because I fell off it uh, one time. So I could yeah, just, you, yeah. almost so collapsed again right now. We, we, we have a blooper reel, and the blooper reel is of Ak sitting on this ball and falling falling down. It was, it was oh, it's, uh, literally over and over again. Yes. It deflated on me. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> um, we have, um, yeah, let, let's just start the show, Mike, and then introduce our guests, all right? So, okay. You and I would start, and uh, Shane will just, you hold off, and I'll introduce you. Okay. All right. Hello, Hockey World. It's Tuesday. Yeah, yeah it is Tuesday, right? Sorry. <laughs> Man, yes. oh man, oh man. Sorry. It's we been got that right. Now let's see. I've, I feel like I've lived a week today already. Sorry. All right. Here we go. The Lucky World. It's Tuesday, May 22nd, 2018. I'm Michael Agello. And I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on hockeybuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday and this time in the afternoon to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And today we are joined by Hockey Buzz blogger Shen Peng. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going, guys? Absolutely great. And, um, your story is like it's almost to me as, as interesting as like the Vegas <laughs> heights themselves, but um, is because it's funny. Like I first met you, and um, you you reached out to us about you know there was a team coming to Vegas, mm -hmm. and I get I get a I get an email from um from Eric, our um our CFO, and he's like, yeah, there's a guy who has some experience. He wants to cover the cover the Knights. Now, were you living in LA at the time? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was uh, covering the Kings. Right, you were covering the Kings. And uh, so you said you were thinking of moving to Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I said, yeah, sure. It's, you know, we saw some of your stuff. It looks great. And it's just, just so funny because, you know, it's an expansion team. I'm thinking, ah, you know, we have like, we've had Arizona writers and we've had, you know, and nothing really big happens. And, and it's a tough, it's a tough marketplace sometimes because, you know, it, it you know, a lot of fans following it and everything like that. And then, <laughs> and yet out of nowhere, um, here you, here you are, here you are the other day. And I'm, I'm, I, I texted you cause I'm just, I was just laughing cause I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, it's just, as crazy thinking about Shang, you know, who's covering the Kings moves, moves, moves to Vegas, covering the nights for us. And now here I am watching CBC and you're asking a question to it, you know, in the press conference. And I'm like, this is just, what is, what a year? I mean, what, what's this experience been like for you? I mean, first off. Uh, it's been uh, amazing. Uh, just, just to, just to begin with, uh, when I first moved here, uh, my lease was till April. And I said, yeah, I told, I told my landlord, yeah, I'm going to be here till April. Uh, I'm not going to be here past that. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and so every, every round since then has been a scramble of, uh, I think I'm going to add another month. Mm, I think I'm going to add another month. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And now they're taking you into June, of course. Right. Oh now they're taking me into June. And so that part of it has, has been uh, surprising, of course, but just been a, <clears throat> A whirlwind experience. I mean, just from the the beginning, um, hate to bring this as part of it, but it is yeah. a part of it. The tragedy on October first. Of course. Yeah. Um, I actually was in the building at T-Mobile Arena as it was happening. I was doing some work, and it was and uh, it was being locked down. The building was being locked down as I was working, wow. and I was locked wow. down there till uh, four a.m. with the with the workers. Wow. And. Um, and then they go on an eight and one start where, and everybody's like, this can't continue. This can't continue. Yeah. And lo and behold, it does all the way into the playoffs. I mean, there, uh, there aren't, how many beat writers are there out there for this team? Really like legitimate um, Let's see. There's a couple of newspaper guys for the review journal. There's one for yeah. the Las Vegas sun, uh, Sinbin.Vegas guys. They're, they're yeah. there all the time. Uh, angel.com. 
Right. But yeah, and there's there's a handful of guys who are there pretty regularly too, other sites, but yeah. there's not a lot of them though. It's certainly not like Toronto. I mean, I'm guessing the beginning of October there were a lot of people because it was new and interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, my my guess would have been by like the middle of you know December, you would have three or four people. Like you know, like that's like because I've I've been to it's interesting, like you say, Toronto or even Philadelphia yeah. where I am. Um, but then I went I. I, you know, we have one of our writers, Bill, lives part time in Dallas, part time in Philly. Mm-hmm. He covers Dallas, you know, and he says it's incredible. He goes to Dallas and there's three of them, three people in there, you know, like, right. It's like, and, and, you know, even San Jose, you go to San Jose, there's only a couple people in the press box. Um, and yet I'm sure, you know, and I, I would have expected that to fade as the year went on, but I, I guess right. it's increased. Um, as, but, but when, when, I mean, it's such a, such a hard question to answer, but when did you actually get a sense? That there was something different about this team, like besides just the fast start excitement. When was the point right. where you're like, okay, something, something's going on? Um, it was during I think they had a 12 game stretch around Christmas where they think they went 11 0 on one and something yeah. like that. Uh, they beat Tampa Bay, Washington, Pittsburgh right. at home, and at that point, you know, if you guys have seen my articles, uh, I, I do a lot of analytics. At that point, the math just told me, well, they can't miss the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> right at that point, I mean, they can go 500 the rest of the way and they're making the playoffs. And so at that <laughs> point, I just had to kind of relent and recognize that, wow, this team is good. And yeah. I keep watching them. And they had a 20 game law at the end of the, game, end of the season, which yeah. they didn't play as well, even though they kept winning games. Sure. And so going to the playoffs, it sort of was a, a choice of what team was real, the team we saw in the first 60 games of the season before the trade deadline or a team after the trade deadline that wasn't quite as good in terms of the analytics. Yeah. And I believe that the team I, I saw for most of the season was the real one, and it's shown so far in the playoffs. Well, Shane, let me, let me ask because I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to remember. I think it was November when you, you were in Toronto and we had lunch yeah. together. Yeah, we were talking about the right? Yeah, talking about about the team, and at that point, they were in the middle of that stretch where they had the they were using five goaltenders. Right, I mean, right, right. I, I, that was that was the thing that that struck me as being the most surreal because it wasn't just Mark Andre Fleury standing on his head, which everybody would expect because since he's a, a great goaltender, right. but. Malcolm Subban, then Oscar Dansk, then uh, Maxim Lagasse. I mean, it was just yeah, it, yeah. whoever you put in net, and I cannot remember the fifth goaltender, the young kid. Uh, <laughs> Dylan, Dylan Ferguson. Dylan one Ferguson. Period. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so you had five goaltenders, and every time, you know, anybody was in net, they played yeah. at least good and may, sometimes great. Yeah, um, that's that's a stretch that the players look to. Uh, David Prana said that that's, for him at least, that's a stretch when he knew that the team was good because – they just kept winning. And uh, looking back at the homestand where they won 8-1, and one, I guess we, we they, they did kind of set the seeds for that because, of course, the first game in Dallas, they they won, but Fleury had to save 44 shots. And after the game, we all were like, oh, yep, that's the way the season's going to go. That's yeah, right. not the, the formula for success. But then in, if you look at the games in the 8-1 homestand, they beat Colorado 7-0. to They beat Chicago. I don't remember the score, but they beat them very definitively. Uh, most of the games that they won, they won, uh, they won, you know, uh, with conviction, mm-hmm. and that sort of gave you an idea of, wow, this team isn't that, that bad, and yeah. then actually it's good. And of course, then they go to that stretch in the East where they start losing the, all those goalies, and they keep winning. And can That's you say amazing thing to me, like, and, and the goalie thing is just fascinating because I, as a goalie myself, I had a theory. You know, I was trying to come up with theories, like, what is, what is it that, the, how can all these goalies? be you know it's not it's, it can't just be coincidence that they're all playing well and it's not and that they're all doing and my theory is that the mental aspect of goaltending which is like 
probably best epitomized by Mark Andre Fleury is that when when you're goalies love being underdogs mm-hmm. in their heads because there's nothing really to lose. You go in there, you go and you go play a game, and you know they no one expects you to win. If you get beaten, you get beaten. But like when Flurry was with the Penguins, for example, like I remember the Penguins Flyers epic series that the Flyers won in seven. When when Flurry was the goalie and getting shelled, um, there there was so much pressure on him. You know, there was it was yeah. just a constant like you know we're going to score goals. Why can't you stop goals? Because that's and then but it seems like when you put a young goalie like a even like a Malcolm Subban or anybody like that in there, and the pressure's off, it, you even see it in things like Belarus or some or tournaments you know in in the worlds you know like where you see World Championship tournaments. These goalies play well because there's because they've got nothing to lose, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think also another aspect is that the Vegas defense is team defense is yeah. actually pretty good. Yeah. And so we see that in statistically, and we saw that in the Winnipeg series, what how they were able to shut down Winnipeg in the third period um, when they needed to. They were able to shut down San Jose in the third period of that game six. They were able to shut down LA, and so that's a big factor too. Now, no, no, Shane. The the thing is, it's and I don't think it's revisionist history because it's happening right now. But yeah. you know, people are saying like everything has gone right for Vegas. Well, mm-hmm. not not really because if you remember, and we'll talk about two things here. Early yeah. in the year, they they decided to uh, pick up Malcolm Subban off of waivers from Boston, and then right. they traded Calvin Pickard to mm-hmm. the, to the Leafs for a sixth round pick and Tobias Lindbergh, and almost immediately after that, that's when the goalie started dropping. And right. Pickard, Pickard was healthy while all these guys – now, they were able to get through that, and that was fine. But, you know, most teams that don't have the stars aligned, that would have probably killed any chance of them making the postseason. Right. Uh, the other thing was – and we've talked about the, this on this show, and we talked about it a lot when it was going on – was the Shipachoff situation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was expected to be a big piece. And, I mean, I think the advantage is, is that – you know, they had a ton of cap room to play with and him going back to the KHL and them, I, I can't even remember how much they're, it's very, it's like minuscule that they're eating in terms of a cap. Yeah. I mean, they got out of that situation, whereas most teams probably wouldn't have been able to. So they dodged a couple bullets there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it was actually hilarious when they claimed uh, Subban and Pickard was still on the roster and McPhee had a press conference, uh, not just about that, but that was one of the topics. Right. And McPhee said clearly, like, yeah, we're not actually sure if uh, Subban is ready. And mm-hmm. two days later, they trade Pickard <laughs> to Toronto. <laughs> so what's the signal that you're sending to to us? Um, but he he was ready enough, though, of course. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, with Shipashev, uh, Shipashev, I mean, if you think about it, if you think about what this team should have been, what, yeah. what it was on paper, uh, Shipashev was supposed to be the team's number one center. Yep, right. Uh, when he wasn't ready or whatever was going on with him, Cody Eakin started off the season as the team's number one center. Right. And so, sorry, I mean, of course, yeah, not everything has aligned, but a lot of it has aligned, though. Because all of a sudden, if you look at a team now, you have uh, prototypical number one center, William Carlson, you know, two-way right. player, 40 goal scorer. Eric Carlson or Eric Howla is a is an excellent second line center. Cody Eakin has slid back to the position that he should be, which is a, a puck pursuing third line center. And right. Belmar, as good a fourth yeah. line center as you find in the league. So, yeah, yeah. Belmar, I, we got to I got to know really well here, and um, is such a class guy, such a yeah. good character guy, and uh, really disappointed when they when they let him go when they when they didn't protect him. You know, I I got the sense that they weren't going to because 
he was going to maybe be a little bit more expensive than what they thought he was for them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you knew, I knew when he went there, I said, I said that there's the, I actually said to somebody that's going to be their captain, you know, at the time, mm-hmm. that's what I thought, because he's, that's just the way he was as a player. Yeah. And, um, and also just seeing everything he did at, you know, in the world cup of hockey for team Europe and everything. He was just, he was always this leader. Um, and uh, I did mention the other day that I talked to a player about the ship situation. One of the, one of the players off the record from, um, from your team out there. Mm-hmm. He said that the way that went down really was amazing from the inside because it sh- it showed them all that how important the whole team concept was mm. and how the team no they were gonna weren't gonna put even this one guy that they went out there and made their big star signing he wasn't gonna be above it above it so they just that that there was the, the rule was laid down and that's how it was gonna be it was gonna be yeah yeah McPhee has mentioned that too as it was sort of a defining moment for the team mm-hmm. and like you said it showed that the team came above. The individual. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing I wanted to ask you, because it's from a more like a, a little inside baseballish thing, is um, you covered the LA Kings, mm-hmm. and and it, the Kings are you know a group of players. A lot of them have been around for a long time. A lot of right. them have, with a lot of expectations, making a lot of money, um, winning Stanley Cups. A lot of star power there. You know, um, well, so talking to Jeff Carter can be talk can be like talking to a door. Um, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I've dealt with it my whole life. Um, now it feels like. Um, and uh, but and then and then you go to a group of players that are that have all already been sort of humbled by being not protected by their team. Right. You know, it must have been a fascinating. The locker room shift must have been incredible. Yeah, 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 for sure. And if you think about it, like nobody in Vegas makes more than I think six million per. Right. Whereas with the Kings, there's a bunch of guys above that or around yeah. there. And it definitely was was a, kind of a seismic shift that way for sure. Were they really nice to report? Are they, were they really nice to deal with as far as reporters go? This team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have been. Yeah, there there hasn't been any significant kind of issues. You know, there's little things here and there. You know, you ask the wrong question, they don't like it. They, right. you know, but then sometimes you just talk to the players or you, you talk to the the staff, and yeah, it's it's been it's been pretty pretty smooth sailing overall. So now again, it's tough to criticize yeah. George McPhee. He's going to win GM of the year. If he doesn't, it's a it's a crime. But I know that at the deadline, there were a lot of people that were scratching their heads at the deal, especially now in retrospect, if you look at Tatar not being a regular in right. the season, uh, giving up a one, a two, and a three for Thomas Tatar. What was the justification of that deal? Because it really seemed to go counter to what they, you know, they had this group, the group was there, you know, yeah. they, they weren't against adding players on, but all of a sudden you give up three draft picks for a guy who's under contract for another couple of years and he's a good yeah. player, but it was, it just seemed to be an outlier. Sure. Uh, well, Tatar might be uh, insurance first for Perron and Neil, who are free agents. Right. But I think the, the main idea this year, though, is, okay, so if you look at the team, you have uh, one of the best first lines in hockey, Marshall, Carlson, and Smith. Yep. You have a really good second line with uh, Neil, Howell, and Perron. Mm-hmm. And you look at your third line, though, you have Eakin, Tuck, and then at the time, they had Leipzig. Right. And Leipzig wasn't producing at the level that they were hoping for, and he wasn't providing other aspects of the game. Right. And so I think in theory, Tatar was supposed to slide into that third line spot. And, you know, imagine a third line, again, in theory, yeah. of Alex Tuck and a four-time 20-goal scorer like Thomas Tatar. That sounds like a pretty good third line. Yeah, right. and no, it hasn't no, quite no. worked out, but you can see what George was thinking there, at least. They went and with, with Reeves, uh, Reeves, they got a, a fourth round traffic to take him on right. and take on some of Broussard's salary, and he also offered a little bit of, 
he had a little bit of kind of a, a physicality, that sort of play that they that didn't have so much of. McPhee talked about adding one, two, three percent to the team with yeah. a guy like Reeves, and I think that's what Reeves has has done. And so I think that's that explains a, a lot of that. And also McPhee has said that at the time there were a lot of injuries too. Right. right. And so it turned out that you needed Reeves to play every every night down the stretch, or you would have had to call somebody up from the minors. Now, you know, we're going to get into the the present when it comes mm-hmm. to, the, the, you know, the Golden Knights in the next week or so when the Stanley right. Cup final starts. Um, and, you know, we, we've we've covered the, the, the flurry story and all the all the stories. What I'm what I'm sort of interested in is what's going to happen after, because at the deadline, there were a lot of rumors of them trying to make a deal for Eric Carlson. There has been the name of John Tavares that has sort of dropped in there, and they have, and that this management team has a been very sharp and made a lot of really right moves, but they have a lot of cap space to play sure. with, and there's players like you said, like Neil and Perron, and uh, I think Jason Garrison's contract is dropping off, where yeah. they're going to have even more room to play with. What do you th- sense the direction of this organization is in terms of the next step? I would uh, think that they would revisit the talks for Eric Carlson. They they were hot and heavy on him during the trade deadline, and they were willing to give up a lot for him. And I would think that they would may not have to give up so much over the summer because mm-hmm. they won't yeah. get that second year from him. Right. And if you look at their team, and it was a weakness that people thought was going to be exposed in the playoffs. But if you look at the team, the one area still is you look at the defense, and it's uh, effective, but no-name defense. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so having a guy like Eric Carlson eat up you know, half the game uh, yeah. would help you. And so I would think that's one that they would go back to. Uh, Tavares, I've heard, and obviously he's a great player, great, great team player. Um, but <clears throat> it, it's hard to say. It's, uh, it's it, it sounds very arrogant, but I don't know if the Golden Knights need or need John Tavares. You no, know, I, I mean, honestly, I'll tell you that. I feel that way with both of them, and I don't think it's yeah. arrogant. And the reason, the reason being is, um, I mean, Eric Carlson, when you talk around the league, the issue that a lot of everyone says, oh, he's a great defenseman. But everybody says, but he has to have the puck all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and he, he if you look at the way he plays with Ottawa, he carries the puck up, you know, probably 50 percent of the time. And, and, you know, as as a stats guy, how often he's got the puck. He's he's a guy who has to have the puck where you're where your team in Vegas there. They they're so good at the quick passes and not carrying the puck. like they, they, they move. They, they let the puck do the work for them more than they carry the puck up the ice. Um, so I wonder how Carlson would fit into that situation like that. I was glad that they didn't get him because, you know, at, at the tra- at the trade deadline, at least. I mean, you could start another year and you could work it through. But with everything going the way it was going, I I, I thought it was I thought it was very smart to get Tatar and Reeves because it showed it was almost like you know we didn't expect to be tra- trading for assets this at this time of year. You know, yeah. this is when they thought they'd be trading away. But what we have is we have to we're actually a playoff team. We've got to play this like a playoff team. So we're going to go out mm. and get the score and get it, get some strength and, and, and see what happens. Well, th- that that's where I'm curious, Shank, because I mean, obviously there's going to be a different mentality on the part of the ownership and management of this team. If they win the Stanley cup, as opposed to if they don't, because if they, if they do, maybe they'll just say, okay, we'll just continue on. We'll build our pro with our prospects. We've, right. we've hit the home run we've done right. in one year. Whereas if they fall short, Maybe, you know, Bill Foley says, okay, we'll spend the money on Tavares or we'll make the deal for Carlson. I mean, do you think that that maybe plays into the decision-making process of McPhee after the final? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I suppose it's possible. He he does keep talking about this as this. Uh, yesterday he said this is a Cinderella story. We hope it continues. 
uh, or fairy tale. I'm sure he, he called it a fairy tale story. And and he does he does seem to seem to be somebody who is still kind of waiting to see if it's all going to turn to dust. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know what? That's his job. That's his job. His and job you also remember worked for the Capitals for a long time, Shane. Yeah. So I mean, he's, he's right. used to that happening. <laughs> that would uh, see that would be the ultimate revenge for George McPhee for the cap him to play the Capitals. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That that story is there to be written, and no question about it. Shang, when did the Golden Misfits uh, nickname come up? Because I, I it's and maybe I'm just in, in a in a in a you know not not being aware, but I right. I heard it for the first time when Ryan Reeves said it at the end of uh, at the end of the series. Um, I believe it came uh, from a, I guess a, a text chain that James Neal had started with the teammates, and I think the wives and girlfriends got a hold of it and they started making these these T-shirts. That's that's why I understand the story is okay. okay. <laughs> but now everybody's running with it. Yeah, we were, I mean, we were all calling them the Island of Misfit Toys in the beginning of the year. You know, that was like that was the obvious that was the obvious connection there that that's what they were. And I in my thirty wacky predictions, the Island of Doctor McPhee. There you go. In <laughs> the beginning of the year, like in my thirty wacky predictions, I try to think of the weirdest things that could possibly happen that won't happen, but the weirdest things that possibly could. And one of them was that you know the Knights would be in first place come Thanksgiving. Yeah, like, we when we thought he was okay. hot. We thought that was the craziest thing that could possibly happen is that the Knights would get off to this hot start and be in first place come Thanksgiving. You know, and it's just now there is going to be, of course, you know, it is hard to say this yet because you still have a series to go, but there, it's going to change next year for this team. You know, like because the pressure is going to be there now all of a sudden. Right. And, and now will that happen in a city like Vegas, though? Someone told me they don't think it will. They think they'll just they'll just continue like in another city once you win a Stanley Cup. And you even saw it in a city like Carolina. Like there's pre the pressure is just totally different. Right. I mean, a lot of things did go right this year. I think half the team has had a career season, so we yeah. have to be cognizant of that, and that yeah. probably won't happen next season. They're not. Yeah. You know, Juan Carlson is probably not going to score 50 goals next season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark Chosen can score 100 points. Right. Um, maybe they will. Maybe they will. The great players. But yeah. anyway, so there's going to be some kind of backslide, but I don't think it's going to be so uh, so great. I mean. The, the point, the, the simple matter of fact is that the team is good. They play well together and that there's every reason reason to believe that will continue. Yeah. Now, William Carlson is on the last year of, and it's not his entry level. I think he signed a yeah. bridge deal. He's making a million bucks. He's obviously at 40, 43 goal season. He hasn't dropped off in the playoffs. What is the talk? Because obviously this guy has been their leading scorer. He, I think he scored six goals last year with Columbus right. and he jumps to 43. So there's not a lot of, you know, not a lot to the resume, but you can't deny right. the season that he had. What's the talk there? Is it another bridge deal or is it a long-term deal? Any, any sense of what's going on there? I would think that Vegas wants to ink a long-term deal with him. He's been so good this year. And you can get him at a discount if you believe that he is a first-line center because he has yeah. no resume Right. This. So it's a time for them to take advantage of that. So I would think that that's what they're trying to do, but we'll have to see. And I do know that Carlson loves playing with Marcia Show and Smith. Mm -hmm. So that's going to, that's going to help. Um, I believe Carlson does, does, you know, does attribute a lot of his success to those guys. So And, and Smith is under contract for another four Smith years. Is under contract for four years and Marcia Show just signed his extension. Right. Now the, the other, the other contract that, uh, I mean, They've got some time here, but Nate Schmidt, who I think has been their best defenseman, right? He enters, yeah, he enters the final year of his contract on July first. Mm -hmm. He's eligible for an extension. You've got 
you know, Garrison Spiza and Stoner dropping off. So mm-hmm. I, it would make it would make a lot of sense to probably extend him as well. Yeah, I, I would think so. He is their number one defenseman this year, and he's lived up to it. Uh, it's it's if you think about it, I mean, just think about just how no name this defense is, and they're going to the Stanley Cup final. Like before, yeah. before this season, uh, none of them were none of them were top four defensemen on on their teams, pretty much. I mean, if you think of Theodore, no, I mean, it's crazy thing is like all the players they <laughs> all the players they got for um. For the, for the so that so that you know they wouldn't take other defensemen like that was the yeah. other thing that they seemed like seemed like they were getting right. players because teams were protecting. Oh other yeah 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 yeah. Minnesota want to protect uh, Dumba, so they sent right. over Howell and Tuck. Uh, Islanders want to send over DeHaan, so they sent over a draft pick. Right, right. Uh, first round draft pick that is, yeah. So. Yeah, right. And that's the other. That's why they could make the Tatar trade too. I mean, things like yeah. that that they they had made these. They they were silly with these things. And the tough thing with them, I think, is going to be. You know, do you want this balance of your salary cap and mm-hmm. balancing their salary cap? Well, first of all, with having this much success, it it makes it very hard right off the bat. And it, it, but you would never turn it away. But it's just you know, it makes it hard. You'd see teams, it, it's going to be hard to keep players. It's going to be very hard yeah. to keep people. And it's you know, Winnipeg's going to have a whole lot of trouble keeping players. Um, but you know, but you look at this and the way you usually want to have a certain amount of guys on entry level that are going to be impact players, a certain guy, you know, older players, and they've got all this. And now I think. One of the reasons they trade away these draft picks is they have they have so many young players that they're going to have a they're going to have a tough time balancing that out over time. Well, it's just amazing right now if you look at the salary structure. Nobody is making above six million dollars. You have like Mark Andre at five point seven, Russ Smith, March Toll at five. Um, I think Neil's at five too. So just down down the line, and yeah, that won't last. McPhee has acknowledged that. Yeah, it's pretty perfect now, but it won't last. Yeah. And there's going to be some changes, and they'll just have to deal with, with changes when they come. So this is the question that people talk about a lot, and you're the best person mm-hmm. to talk about this. Is um, okay, so Seattle's coming into the league, and mm-hmm. you know, say, and everyone's saying, oh, it's not fair that they're they're going to have the same rules, but there's not fair. There's no there's no way they'll be able to duplicate what's happened here. Do right, you think that's true. Um, I think that GMs will probably be a little more careful about overprotecting their own players and giving up yeah. draft picks and things of that nature. So there will be a little bit less of that. Um. It's possible. It's it's possible for Seattle to replicate replicate the success, but I wouldn't yeah. count on it though because yeah. this was this was special what what they did, and yeah. a lot of these circumstances like like William Carlson going from a sixth goal scorer to forty three yeah. goal scorer that's not normal. No, it's not. <laughs> and that's not that's not for something for Seattle Seattle to count on. Seattle should count on maybe being competitive and maybe making the playoffs. That's that won't surprise anybody, but this kind of run, yeah. It's kind of running special. G- GMs, GMs are going to wise up to this because I mean they, they're not they're not going to give extra first round picks to protect players or to dump players. That's the, not what's hurt them, Mike. I mean, like it's not yeah, the yeah, extra it, first round picks haven't hurt them. I mean, the, the, that that's that that's not anything right now. But that, that, I'm saying that's going to perpetuate the success of this franchise. I mean, they they hit home runs with their first round picks. Ask Russ, you know, Glass, Brandstrom. These are good picks. No, no, they, no we'll perpetuate really them. Good. But I think that what we're looking at right now is. Um, is not a result is, is you know well no but, but the, uh, in other situations it, 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 that's where that's where it, well in, in some cases teams won't won't give up players like minnesota gave up hollow and tuck to yeah. right Dumba. and that in this case maybe minnesota would rather have kept dumba and yeah. maybe vegas and Dumba's an incredible player by the way but maybe vegas would have been yeah. worse if they had dumba instead of hollow and tuck right? yeah and i think i think that's i think the key is the key is really being able to look at players that are going to do better given more responsibility right that that's yeah. that, that's what that's what's happened you know like carlson 
Hall was always a fun player to watch in Minnesota. Like uh-huh. he was one of the more exciting players on that team. You would watch them and you would wait for his shifts. He would. You guys he, don't see me, do you? Are you doing? Hey, Russ. Hey, Russ. Hey, Russ. <laughs> I was talking a minute ago. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no, no, that's fine. Yeah, we didn't hear you then, but no, it's good. And I can um, and I can tell you, Brandstrom and everybody they've drafted first three rounds were really good for them. So a lot of people were missing the boat on that too. I, I felt like yesterday I had to not only defend Vegas for being good, but also saying, if you think they're a one-trick pony, they might need to reload, but they've got guys in two years that will be terrific, and they had a draft last year. Yeah. So this is a and, completely unusual situation. And they have, and they have, a, and like I said, they have a boatload of cap space, and we can see yeah. what McPhee has done, you know, in terms of his decision-making process with the expansion draft and with some of the other moves that, you know, they, he can take advantage of that. Now, I, Shang, I know, you, I know you have to go, so uh, – um, I mean, what is your? Do you sense any favoritism on who Vegas wants to play, who they want to see win Game Seven in the other series? Um, I would think I haven't sensed any favoritism from the organization, but I would think that they want to play Washington, not for the the ready-made NBC storylines, <laughs> yeah. but because <laughs> Tampa Bay is 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 still deeper than Washington. Yeah, but. I think either way, though, I, I think they may have beat the best team that they're going to face. I'm not I sure. Think, yeah. so, but yeah. I, 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 I have a lot of respect for Winnipeg, yeah. even though Winnipeg didn't play their best. Narrative, Shane, but I disagree with that. But that's playing into yeah. that narrative, so he'll be happy with that. <laughs> no, that's playing into what I, that's what I believe. As I was saying, I, I believed all the time. I thought all the time that Nashville and, and Winnipeg were the two best teams in the playoffs. And that, you know, but that I also thought that Vegas was playing at a playoff pace all year and wouldn't be able to step it up to another level when other teams did. I was wrong there, but um, yeah, I, I agree with you on I agree with you on the Tampa thing. I think that because the toughest thing for for me when you're playing a goalie like Mark Andre Fleury who is so good in close, and and Washington likes to crash the net and score goals that way more, where Tampa is has the more sharpshooters and the sharpshooters oh. are really how you're going. That's like that's why Shifley had some success, you know. That's why Line A could have had a little bit of success. But when you have Kucherov and Stamkos, you've got two serious yeah. sharpshooters. Yeah, move the goalie from side to side. Yeah, but, yeah they're living, but they're still living off the power play, Tampa. That's the only thing that would worry me about. That's true. That's yeah, true. and they don't take many penalties. Well, thanks, Shang, so much. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. I'm. I'll. I probably will. I guess I'll see you in Vegas too. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I'll see you down thank there. you. Cool. All right. Well, thank All you right. so much. Great job. Thank you for having me, guys. Thanks, Shang. Appreciate it. Talk to you guys later. And he is um at. Shen Pe- Shang Peng on Shang underscore Peng on, on Twitter. Underscore Peng on yeah, Twitter. He's good, he's good follow. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you don't get situations like that very often. So thank you so much for coming Thanks, on in anytime. Um, and uh, yeah, let me let me get you out of here. There you go, cool. Um, yeah, so that was that was good. It was good. Shang's good. Shang's a good interview. It was nice to have him. It's just a, such a crazy story. I mean, I ran into him last year. Literally, the first time I met him was during this Stanley Cup Finals in Nashville. He was there covering for something, covering for another. And he, you know, he said, "Yeah, let's." Uh, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to be your, I'm going to be your Vegas writer." I'm like, "Oh yeah, how you doing?" You know, just because <laughs> he had said, emailed me out of the blue, and I'm like, "Yeah, no one else emailed, no one else wanted to do it." He had some experience; he wanted to move to Vegas, so he just it's crazy, 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 crazy. All right, let's get into last night's game, Mike. <laughs> you should open this up, Mike, definitely, because you were right. I, well, I, I said there was a possibility that the, that uh, Washington would would. No, you said Washington was going to win hundred percent, and then you said that they're going to win the series. I did not say that. Tampa. Pick Tampa. Tampa is going to win the series. I'm I'm very confident of that. But Washington, you know, their backs were against the wall, 
and Holtby played well. And I think you know Vasilevsky, I don't think was responsible for the loss for Tampa. That was one of the yeah. one. I think he that he played pretty good. It was a, it was a tight game, you know, power play goal by Oshie, and then Devontae Smith Pelly with that goal, and that was that was sort of a defensive breakdown by Tampa, um, but it was a, you know it was an almost impossible shot for 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 Vasilevsky to stop. I mean, you know, there was desperation there, and I I don't know you know psych, psychologically it's like when you're up three games to two, I I would think you want to put it away. You don't want to go to game seven, but when you're at home and the team had not not won at home yet. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot of motivation there on the part of the capital. So, and, and as Russ pointed out during our text back and forth, you know, Backstrom actually did contribute and yeah. that was, that was something that didn't happen in those games that he, after he came back, he's, yeah. been, you know, he won faceoffs, like you said, but offensively he's been nothing. And now yesterday he gets the assist on the Oshi goal and that was, that, you know, Obviously, Tampa didn't score a goal, so that was the game winner. So they're going to need that in Game Seven, and I think I, I still, obviously, you know, home ice advantage doesn't really mean anything in any of these playoff series. I just still think Tampa is the better team, so I, and I picked Tampa, so I'm going to stick with Tampa. I I, I got to tell you, so I, not only do I agree disagree a little bit, I agree disagree a hundred percent because not only did I think it you know, that Washington would win last night, but I, I think Washington proved something last night. They, they finally got the, the monkey off their back at home. Hopey, Hopey not only played well, I mean, he, he shut him out. Anytime you got a shutout in these playoffs, I don't care how many shots on goal there are. He was great. He was locked in. But the biggest thing was with Wilson and Devontae Smith Pelly, they destroyed Tampa. Dan Girardi. Yeah. I'm not sure what kind of shape he's going to be in for this next game. Ryan McDonough, if he wasn't blocking shots, was having to sort of defend himself and, and his half of his team. Yep. He, he's black and blue. Like that Tampa blue line now is sufficiently beat up to the point where I think Washington has an edge here. And I think Washington feels really good about what's going on. And then, and then, and then, matters. And then Steven Stamkos uh, w- wasted JT Miller in the third period on an, on an accidental hit. He must have thought it was the Tampa Rangers series from a couple of years ago. But uh, and you know, no, I, I I take that into consideration. But yeah. you know, but the thing is, again, Cooper will have the last change, and you know, maybe against those guys when when Wilson's out, maybe he has lineups like with Palat or Kalorn, who are bigger guys who can handle the rougher going instead of having you know Kucherov or the smaller players up against Wilson and Pe- and Smith Pelly and having them run running rough shot over them. So I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a matchup situation where Cooper will try to try to get away from those guys. But if you put them on two separate lines, which they have been, it's going to be tough to do. I mean, Mike, are you willing to bet an order of wings? Sure. Right. <laughs> put an order of wings on. There you okay. go. Are you at the beach, Russ? Where are you? Yeah, I'm at the beach in um, in Woodbury, New Jersey. Oh, he looks like the ocean behind you. From I know. It's my parents' apartment. Hilarious. Um, all right. So, yeah, the uh, – <laughs> I, I felt a lot like you said, Russ. I felt like the Capitals showed their physical physicality that they that they definitely have over over Tampa, yeah. um, and uh, and and finally used it. I felt like for the I feel like for the first time since the Columbus series, they played team defense. Yes, um, you know which was which was also huge. Like in Columbus, they played really solid team defense. Against in Pittsburgh, they they basically didn't have to as much because the Penguins weren't bringing you know as much as as. But then they really in this series they played 
half decent team defense the first two games and then got away from it completely. And the Capitals are kind of the, the way those players are on the Caps. They kind of are the players that have to be reminded that they have to play team defense to win in the playoffs. It felt like you know, like it's true. It really felt like because so, once they start winning, they're just going to try to score all the time. And Plus, um, final hit number for Ovechkin. He was over twenty, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He and and when Ovechkin plays physical, he's he's a he's a really good hitter. People don't realize how good of a checker Ovechkin is. Oh yeah, he's a real good hitter, especially from behind. Listen, he he is, but again. Whether it is from behind or not, you don't want to get hit by that. No, guy. no, he, he, levels, he levels people. Like, um, you yeah, know, he he is probably, probably the hardest hitting. If you were to compare like the strength of hit versus scoring abilities in the history of the NHL, Ovechkin's right up there. You know, like he's the Trans Siberian Railway. That's what he is. It's like Gordy Howish. You know, he's got the Gordy Howe thing going on with that. He can kill people. The hitting in this game reminded me of the Tampa Calgary Cup. That's how yeah. good the hitting was in this game. Yeah, and it was, it was why it was such a good game, too. And really kind of the hitting you expect more of in the playoffs than we've gotten. But, but, but ironically, and since we had Shang on the show, this is playing right into the hands of Vegas. Vegas oh, it is. It totally Vegas is. is getting a week off. These teams are beating the crap out of each other. Game seven will be they'll – they'll completely waste each other. And the schedule came out, and the, the, the cup final starts next Monday. So yeah. they're going to get, what, one, two, three, four days at most of rest. To one of those days will be travel. So it's – you know, the, these teams are going are to be at a disadvantage. Even though they, they may – both of them may have more talent than Vegas, yeah. it plays into Vegas's hands that these teams go to a seventh game and probably will – destroy each other in game seven well vegas on layoffs has looked rusty we've seen that yeah game one exactly that's true yeah yeah i mean that you can see consider there but as far as these two teams though the and look the goaltending is pretty much even i think at this point i think a lot of things are even i think the one thing though that i'm giving the capitals the edge on is i do think now that barry trotz pretty much made it public that he's not coming back i do feel like the team will go to greater lengths now to win this cup for him. And I felt it in that game. I don't know if it's true. Nobody's going to admit it. Right. But I, I felt that. And I also felt yeah. like Washington's role players are just, they're playing so much better for Washington than the Kunitzes and the role players for Tampa. And I think that's big, been a big key. That was a big key. And and, and it's, it's ironic because, you know, like it's, it's the worst kept, it's, it's the worst kept or second worst kept secret. Uh, the worst being Lou Lamorello going to the Islanders, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But now the talk is, is that trots as soon as this series or as soon as his run with the caps are, is over with, he's probably going to unseat, Bruce Boudreaux in Minnesota because Paul Fenton is the GM, and I didn't that's hear that before. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, no, I, it's somewhere, it's, somewhere. Do you remember that? I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I know because I was hearing the same thing. I mean, and yeah. back then, it, it, it's, it's, it, that makes that's tons right. of sense. I was you like, remember Trotz's, they that, but if they go to do it, Trotz's yeah. connection to, um, to Greg Leopold is big. I mean, that, like, yeah. you know, he was a coach for the Predators for a very long time there. That, that's a big thing. And believe me, I, I, Bruce Boudreaux will not be unemployed long. No, he'll no. be back at the Caps. No, no, I, th- I, I think, I think, but I doubt it. I, I think, I think that I think the next coach of the Caps will probably be reared and Todd Reardon. Yeah, you're probably right. No, but um, you know, Boudreaux could end up in New York. No, no. Quinn be signed five year deal. Yeah, David Quinn is the new coach. That's at least that's yeah. yeah, that's a done deal. Okay, yeah, I didn't actually miss that one. Sorry. Yeah, I was trying. So yeah, I know this is a. Uh, but he's going to unseat somebody. 
there could be another team out there that's not thrilled with their coach that either says, Bruce, just hang tight, and maybe at some point in the season he, he gets a job. Yeah, I mean, he could, he he he'll be under, or at least he'll be getting paid off of the Minnesota deal if he does get fired. Right, he'll, he'll have plenty of plenty of chances to work. I and mean, and he, and he probably could do TV work in Canada until he. If wants I was to. Edmonton, that's where I go. If if Boudreaux becomes available and I'm Edmonton, that's what I do. I, I really I really think that that he's the right guy for that team as far as the kind of players they have, the situation. I think it would well, be a good fit. It would be it would be a good fit, but there's. And we'll talk about this later because it has nothing to do with the, the news of the day. But the the stuff that's coming out of Edmonton, Edmonton in terms of rumors, of terms of what they might be doing, is just proof positive that Chiarelli and McClellan are in short term desperation mode. And if they do the things that are rumored out there, that you know, if they don't work, they'll be on the unemployment line by December. Here's the here's the other thing about Edmonton, and the the, the weird thing about Edmonton that. Um... Because I've since I'm a rumor person and that's what I looked for all the time. There's a whole different culture in Edmonton than there is in any other city. And the reason the reason that is is because for some reason, I don't understand this. I've never understood this. The the people who um you know, every team has a certain amount of like guys who buy the super boxes and the suites and stuff like that, who yep. are rich, the rich guys of the town, you know, and the, the oil mongers in, in Edmonton, you know, the people who make a lot of money out there on oil and have sure. a ton of money. They are they have they that the Oilers team holds meetings with those guys yeah. um, and, 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 you know, and their management and we'll talk to them about things that they're going to do. And, you know, I've, I've talked to a few of them. I've talked to different people here and there. Um, and it's funny because you'll get stuff that is, is usually pretty close to being true Be, or, or, you know, and it'll come to fruition. Often times you can't talk about it because, you know, the guys are sworn to secrecy, but it gives you huge hints towards where they're going because, and this is, this is, so this, when you start seeing weird things coming out of Edmonton, um, in the rumor mill, I feel like that's that's part of it. You know, the, the, the weird thing. The last thing I'll just say about Edmonton before we go on to more exciting stuff, they could still make the playoffs next year if they do things right, or they could completely miss again, and it wouldn't shock anybody. Right. Yeah. No, they're right on. They are. They are a bubble, and uh, but they could. I mean, they could win the division. Like a lot of people thought they would this year. They could. They could. But the thing is, is that they have they have young players who are who are talented who, if they're patient. You know, could really turn out to be good players. I mean, if they if they've like lost patience with Puliyarvi or something like that. I mean, he I think he still can be a good player. But if they have actually, he's a big key to all this. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, right, exactly. But no, um, we have we have to we have to shift up to the ne the never ending story of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, thank God we're well, not gonna be talking too much more about their assistant. <laughs> There's two. Well, there, so <laughs> right there's two stories for, first yeah. of all first of all like, the, again the worst kept secret was lou going to the islanders and now it's confirmed that at least the title is i believe it's president of hockey operations which i i wonder and this will be the 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 story to come is you know what does that mean for garth snow does that mean that he's just relegated to some corner office and they like he'll be sorting out paper clip clips for the next four <laughs> years while I think he stays in whatever office he has, Mike. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I believe it is the corner office, but yes, continue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but basically, it's like, okay, I mean, is he completely usurped of all power? I mean, he had Lamorello's uh, – Garth had Lamorello's son as part of the management team there, and Lamorello and Snow are apparently, you know, they get along. So I, I, I'm assuming that – You'd be really cold for, cold for um, Lou to fire Garth after Garth gave his son a job. That would be pretty cold. Right, but what I'm saying is, I I think that I, you know I think Lou will probably 
keep Garth in some role that will have some say, which maybe optically to the Islander fans who hate him with a passion won't be won't be the best thing. But if they have the confidence that Lou is in control, then I think they can overcome that. But mm-hmm. this this story about with about Tavares that we just touched on yesterday, the fact that Lou met him last Wednesday when essentially. I mean, we didn't – now, if the Leafs had no problem with it, if the Leafs said, you know, if you want to go, you can go, and they signed off and it's not tampering. I mean, Lou apparently talked to Tavares face-to-face last Wednesday and was representing the Islanders. So that means for over a week he was not a part of the Leafs. I think think we're taking this all too literally, but if you ask me, I think Lou is a Swiss chalet guy and probably wanted to save a few bucks, and so he probably met – Tavares there and they had a nice meal and they talked about whatever we think they talked about yeah. that you're not going to talk about and Ru- that's what happened. Russ, did they, get, did, they, did they get the brisket or the chicken? The chicken. I've had the chicken there. It's good. And uh, Jared Kushner was there but doesn't remember how long. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that the um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't it is a weird situation but my guess is that Tampa, that, that Toronto signed off on it. That Toronto said fine. You know, well, yeah. Toronto, and you know, I don't think, because the one thing that's interesting about Burke and Lou, the, those two guys particularly, is they are incredibly aware of the collusion stuff. Like that's something that they really are terrified about. Because the, probably because they did, probably because they're like right on the edge of it a lot. So they're but, always, but, they're always aware of it. So, but it's 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 weird. It, it's weird act because I mean the Burke administration in Toronto is not so in the in the not so distant past, and. That organization was an open door where everything that they talked about got out, right? Uh, where, whereas Lou's was was like the CIA. Well, which is what you saw here because you're talking about the CIA during the Obama administration. But that, um, which is what, what we're talking about here, though, is basically that they they were locked they were locked down, and the fact that Lou met with Tavares, you know, right a while ago, and no one knows about it till now. Now I. Mean, I you know, I'm a, I'm of the opinion that it's not going to – I mean, maybe it improves the chances microscopically, but I don't think it improves the chances so great that all of a sudden Tavares is going to like, you know, oh, lose here, I'm going to sign an eight-year deal. Well, I, think, I, think it, I think it does more than that. I think it does a lot more than that. I mean, I, I, I know – I think I'm, it improves. I don't think it's going to – it's a, it's a determining factor. I, will tell you this. I, I don't think it's a big determining factor. It's definitely a factor. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, now that lose there, I think there's almost – no chance of Tavares signing with the Rangers because I think he would definitely talk him out of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that's if you, want, if you want to go to the West Coast, if you want to go to Vegas, right. you want to go to San Jose, fine. You know, that, yeah, yeah that, that's I mean, Tavares's yeah. name came up today with, um, with Nashville to me. You know, yeah. I, mean, I, I heard, I heard that too. Shedding that salary. And well, yeah. that, well um, you know what that, you know what that means, Zach? That means that if they're, if they're in on Tavares, they're, they, they they're trading tourists because obviously they have to, they would have to clear that salary to oh, be yeah, able they to would win. definitely be trading tourists um but they might they would have to trade a lot more than that probably so it would be sure. interesting to see how well, they play it out because someone like i don't know if Fiala's deals up yet they probably have a guy or two that deals are up too well Rennie's yeah. one year away right Rennie's one year away so you can actually going to get a deal yeah uh, but... Fiala Fiala is uh, is up after next year okay um yeah, they're pretty they're pretty signed in i mean they they have yeah they yeah. are. They have their team. There's no way Rennie's getting an extension unless he wins something. Right. So that money. They, they, they have to take care. They have to take care of Ellis. Uh, the, oh. after, Ellis is two and a half million for one more year. 
Okay. Uh, and then he's a UFA. And Yossi is four million for two more years, and then he's a he's a UFA. So they, I mean, that's that. I think that was the genesis of all the speculation about Subban. It's like, okay, you're gonna need money to to lock up those two defensemen because they're important and maybe. But I don't I don't think that's realistic that they're gonna trade Subban. But any, anyway. No. Uh, Getting 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 back to Toronto, the now the uh, the news of the day today that broke, and it, this is the thing. It's been rumored for a while. It was tweeted, Mike. This is the funny thing about it. When did the Toronto Maple Leafs ever tweet official news? Well, they, no, no. They for the for the last year or so, or at least the last couple of years, their PR staff will email and tweet at the same time. Well, they yeah, they tweet that they parted ways with someone. I've never seen that kind of tweet from them. Well, 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 no. I mean, any significant news? They've. I mean, this is a significant move. I mean, because Hunter has had an important part of the has been an important part of the organization the last four years. I mean, he's directly responsible for the their, their improved for their scouting and their amateur amateur scouting, and he's an assistant general manager. How many and, people do you think approved that tweet before the send button gets hit? One, Brendan Shanahan. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, right. and and Kyle Dubas. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I think too. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but I mean, you know, this was expected. Now, the interesting thing is there was, and Russ and I again were talking about this. Yeah. Hunter was apparently willing to continue through the draft, um, as you know, to, to handle the draft. But the Leafs basically said, okay, if you're not going to stay with the organization, we'll take it from here. But they have a not he had a, he had a year left in his contract and he and basically has a non compete clause so he can't talk to another organization he can't join another organization until I believe the middle of July so that means a the draft is in Kyle Dubas and their scout their remaining scouting staff here and the, and the upheaval that's going to happen after this remember Hunter brought in a lot of scouts so there's probably going to be a complete changeover of a part or at least part of their scouting staff although maybe some of them will stay who you never know but this is this is a dramatic change of the leaf management structure within the span of a couple weeks this will be the most examined draft that they've had in a very long time because right. We don't know who the lead voice will be at the table other than Dubis. Yeah. And that's the see, that's the thing about not having Hunter there is if you have to make changes on the list or the board on the fly, who's really gonna do that? Like that's that's the thing. Mark Hunter was a master at that. Right. That's where they're gonna miss something. So look, this draft, we won't know for five years how right. well it it's gonna go. But I have to tell you, it is changing dramatically and that if I were a Leafs fan, I would definitely be worried. I and think. and and my and my uh, supposition regarding that is, I think that not that I don't think Kyle Dubas is prepared to draft a pick in the first round, but I think that where this franchise is right now, that there it increase and with Hunter moving out, increases the possibility of them using the twenty fifth pick that they have, and they've traded picks lower in the first round before for Freddie Anderson and to accumulate more picks in the 2015 draft, I think it increases the chances of them trading the 25th pick along with another player or a package to get an impact player from another team. I, I think there's a really good possibility of that, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see you next month at the draft. Yeah, that draft will be fascinating. It'll be fascinating to see who's sitting at the table. There could be someone slid in at the last minute as as like a consultant mike i mean that's something yep. you know if i maybe kyle dubas invites someone to the draft right as a consultant 
And well, yet, there's know about it until draft day. That's possible. Right. There's, there's, a, there's By the way, you can hire us at um, by calling. <laughs> And he'll hire me as his assistant. Yeah, but if you're looking for somebody, I mean, why, who else would you bring on? You know, it's like you know, you got you got to bring on somebody. Well, there's a there's a few names out there. One of in one of the names that's been tied to Kyle Dubas in terms of bringing in now with Hunter and Lamorello out, he's probably going to be looking for somebody with some hockey uh, experience to be at least a sounding board. And you know somebody is you know the name of Ron Francis has been out there and he has a connection to him through through his affiliation with the Sioux Greyhounds, um, uh, and, and you know we know Francis got jobbed in Carolina by Dundon, uh, so I mean I think he's a good hockey man. The name of Chuck Fletcher has been mentioned a couple times. Um, you know, I, I think they'll bring somebody in, but I also think that would do because remember they've got to fill three spots here: director of amateur scouting, uh, assistant general manager. Uh, then you know, two assistant general manager spots because Dubas vacated one and Hunter vacates the other and Hunter was handling scouting. So they have to, they have to add three positions and I think it'll be split up upon amongst three different people. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. I, it, it, you know, it, it, we will see how this plays out, but you know, it's, it is surprising. Um, we know where, where Hunter will end up. We'll find out too. That's another thing we don't know. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's that's the thing. I mean, I mean, we don't know whether Hunter is going to end up as. Oh, we lost Russ there for a second. I mean, he could be. In, he could go to the Islanders, but that's not a definitive thing, you know. Um, anything? Yeah, no, no. It's not. It's not. It's not. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing is definitive. But uh, I, I think that. Uh, like I, don't, I wish I knew more about the um, relationship that Lamorello has with with Hunter. You know, like I don't really know. I don't know anything about that as far as yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, well, I, no, I, mean, uh, I mean, before the Leafs, there was none, but apparently they worked very well together. And I mean, it's a, it's again, it's a question with the Islanders of whether you know how much control does Lamorello have? I mean, if Lamorello has complete and utter control of hockey operations, then it's very possible that he brings a Mark Hunter in. But, you know, Mark Hunter, I think, has aspirations of being a general manager in this league, not an assistant. So, you know, he may be content to go back to the London Knights for a year and manage that team and then go and when there's an opening in the league next year to jump at that opportunity. But we don't know. Well, let's, let's move on to the, to David Quinn. Okay. Because that is, the, yes. uh, you know, um, major thing that I didn't even know was happening today because I was at the zoo with my child this morning. Um, so yeah. So David Quinn, the Boston university coach, um, the new coach of the, uh, New York Rangers. This is the second, second, um, college coach. Uh, obviously Dave Hackstall came in from North Dakota a couple years ago. And this is the second, so this is a little wave of college coaches, maybe in the NHL. Well, the second, the second this offseason because Montgomery got Montgomery tired. Well, so third, okay, so third altogether in the last couple of years. Correct. Um, what are your thoughts, Russ, on Dave Quinn? Well, you know, I think he's probably their third choice. You know, when it was clear that Reardon wasn't going to be available, I think that's why they made this jump. It also tells you that for whatever reason, Barry Trotz wasn't going to be a choice, or they would have waited, right? So. Yeah. That's fine. I think I, I have no problem with the choice. I mean, again, everybody knows I tweeted it out. I thought Jim Montgomery was the best choice and Dallas got the best guy in my in my opinion. But I still think the Rangers got somebody good. They gave him five years because they want they want him. He wants to build a culture there and apparently didn't have enough time to even do that at BU because, look, I felt like they should have made the Frozen Four this year. They had amazing talent, right? They had Brady Kachuk. They had Shane Barras. They had Jake Ottinger. They still didn't make it. 
that's a little thing that I'm going to hang on there. And, and, but again, he didn't really have enough time to really build the program back up either. Although they're, you know, look, BU gets plenty of players, right? They're yeah. never, they're never lacking in players. So I think this is a uh, position where he's going to get eased into it. I don't think the Rangers have any playoff aspirations right. this coming season. I don't think they'll go after Tavares now I, or Tavares won't even want them. And so, and I think they'll be in this retooling mode still. And that's a good thing for him because then he can look at this team, decide who he likes, who he doesn't like, play a lot of youngsters. He's going to have to play a lot of youth on defense. Defense is be the uh, sore spot there. And and then see what he's got. I mean, uh, the one thing that I didn't mention with Shang, I mean, down the road when Seattle comes in, they might be picking from like Henrik Lundqvist in his last year in the NHL. Like that, that yeah. you know, that could be the way it goes for the Rangers at that point. But right now, Lundqvist won't want to lose. They will try and play to their best of their ability. I think their defense will be the biggest thing they have to overcome, and that's probably why they won't be a playoff team. Dude, do we have to do we have to revise the uh, the thought that uh, the Rangers will be on, in on Kovalchuk now with A with yeah. this? Well, that's my blog they, today. My blog today was that, you know, basically along those lines. But, you know, we'll talk about that. Here's the Rangers that will never change. They charge a lot for seats. They always want big names there. They want some big names on their media guide. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to like, because again, a lot of their tickets are not season tickets anymore. They're like people out for the night, out on the town. They know the name of Kovalchuk. He will get an offer from the Rangers, whether he accepts it or not, that's up to him. But I'm pretty sure he's still going to get it because like, you know, what they're going to tell you is, look, they still have to field a team, right? They still have to try and win, especially with Lundqvist there. So I think that doesn't change the plans for him. Well, I, I also think it, you know, if, if you write off the possibility of Tavares, you might have to also write off the possibility of uh, a Van Riemsdyk because Van Riemsdyk was, you know, supposedly, uh, you know, he's, I know he's a Ranger fan. I know, but he's, he's looking for the seven year deal. He's looking for the big money. He's looking for like the Oshi contract or the, or the Kyle Oposo contract. And I, I don't know whether that's, that's in the bailiwick of the of, of the Rangers. It might be of Lou Lamorello and the Islanders. I mean, well, it might be Mike, but I wouldn't count Van Reems like out. Yeah, because if the Rangers decide that hey, we're still going through with this and right. trade someone like Matt Zuccarello at the draft, yeah, then yeah. they might sign someone like Van Reems like because they'll say hey, in like a year or two, we're going to need an elite scorer like that. So I still yeah. wouldn't count him out, but yeah. I. They would have to move someone like Zuccarello to sort of tell me that that's that's the way they're going to go now. And I, I think we have to, you know, we have to watch, and we and I think we could make an entire show of this of who Lou will trade in terms of a goal t- for a goaltender. They've yeah. I, I I I can say this: they've got two consecutive first round picks. I think it's eleven and twelve. Yeah. If there's a goaltender out there that is not like a team doesn't just want to simply dump. But a young goalie or a goaltender who he could trade one of those picks for that goalie. Hey, look, you know, you know I was, I've heard about I've heard, the name I've heard mentioned is still playing right now, but um, you know, in in is is Brubauer, you know, like that's the name I've heard mentioned in as far as you know one of those picks, and um, because obviously we know you know Samsonov is coming over for Washington, um, you know, hope he has reestablished himself as the number one for sure, you know, he really has no matter how you slice it, he's the guy, especially after last night. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. What I what I think with what I may or may not have heard from somebody who may or may not know John Tavares was, was that you know 
Tavares may have been, may or may not have been told that Kovalchuk was a possibility to come to the Islanders, you know? And um, I would not be surprised. That would not shock me at all. Like, to, no, to I mean, we've talked about it. it, it yeah. Was... And I think there's more to it than, than that, than, than even speculation, honestly. I think there's something they, to that they, one. They need a building. Like, I still think those are obstacles. But, it, but again, as far as what happens with, with the Rangers, I think end of the day, look, they're, they've got a couple of draft picks in the first round. That's good. They're not going to trade those. Would they try and move up in the draft? Yeah, I think the Rangers could be one of those teams that do try and move up in the draft. Uh, that could be beneficial. Maybe they could eyeball someone like a Joel Farabee as an example. Yeah. Because when you when you start looking at the Rangers and break them down long term, even a Buchnevich, even Zabanajab, while they're all nice players, they're still going to need a really high-end goal scorer. At the end of the day, they are going to need one. And Kovalchuk, even if he's there, is only going to be there for a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're going to try and have to draft a guy like that. And, you know, so that's that's going to be the big thing there. Yeah, I think you're dead on. You're dead on with that. Um, it will be fun. Uh, so no games tonight. Um, and uh, so just enjoy enjoy your family this evening, wherever you are. Enjoy and- my family. Enjoy your family. Yeah. Go out with your family. Go out. Go, go, go for a walk in the park with somebody. Enjoy your time. 60 something other days of the year to worry about that. Come on. Eh? No, this is the night. You know, you, you got to gear up because you got the Stanley Cup finals um, on Monday eventually. It's, it's going to be a long break. It's going to be a long break. I mean, it's, it, it's a lot of momentum lost between Wednesday and Monday. Is um, it really building availability? Because I don't know for sure that it is. I have a feeling they wanted to. I have a feeling for whatever reason they wanted to stay away from Memorial Day weekend because it's because people because it's head to head against the NBA. That's why. Maybe yeah. Maybe that's it. I, I think I really think that that's what it is. Remember the NBA. They they you know uh, last week they played like a two. They played Tuesday or Wednesday or Wednesday or Thursday, and then the next game it was Tuesday Wednesday, and then they didn't play the next games until Saturday Sunday. The the, the NHL for Game One of the Stanley Cup Final does not want to go head up against the like, Game Six of Boston Cleveland or a or a Golden State Houston. I bet you anything. Like the Monday Wednesday Saturday thing like they've done before. Is that what they're gonna do? Like the no, the breaks than that. If you look at the schedule. I think there's one point where there's three days off in between. Yeah, I, I have the schedule here. I can pull it up quickly. I mean, it's going to be a lot of travel. The schedule's going to I mean, the distance-wise. But, you know, it's a, it's only a difference between, like, another hour and a plane. You know, it's not like the end of the world. No, but the problem is, like I said, for at least for someone like me, the combine is, is overlapping. They're actually – they will have a Stanley Cup game again on the most important day of the combine. Yeah, yeah. No, that the combine, yeah, that, that year, this – that really yeah. doesn't think Here, here's the schedule. It's Monday the 28th, game one, Wednesday the 30th, game two, Saturday, Monday, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah, so there's a two there's a two-day break between game four for travel, two game two-day break between game four and five, uh, a two-day break between game five and six, and a two-day break between game six and seven. So gotcha. they're stretching it out. And that really is stretching it out. All right, guys, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Remember that the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow.